Welcome everyone to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. It's Hunter, and I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode with the one, the only, Jonathan Alzheimer. Jonathan is a 7th grade teacher for the acclaimed Fred Lynn Middle School, led by renowned principal Hamish Brewer. When Jonathan released his book, Next Level Teaching, Empowering Students and Transforming School Culture, I had to dive deeper into it. And let me tell you, this book is a game changer. Teachers, if you feel stuck, burnt out, and are struggling to find that same passion you once had, you need to check out Jonathan's book and give this episode a listen. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, Schools of Thought listeners. I'm so excited. I've been waiting so long for this to uh, talk to very first guest author. So this is special. Um, we have the one and only Jonathan Alzheimer. Jonathan, how are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And, and to all the listeners, what's up? And uh, man, I'll tell you what, I say this often. I am so excited to chat about education because I'll tell you what, man, in the world of education, if you're not excited about talking about education, I don't know what you're excited about, man. So let's do it. I'm, I'm pumped. Ever since that I got uh, word of your book, um, it's been something that I've not stopped thinking about. And especially with everything going on this year, a historic year like no other, um, your book, Next Level Teaching, has been something that has instilled this sense of um, passion and purpose even deeper than, than what I had before. So I, I appreciate you releasing it. I felt like it was released right at the right time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, thank you, man. It's a wild, man. The book is so crazy because so often people are like, what, when you, when, you know, when they read the title and they're like, what is this book all about? Dude, it's like a hybrid of everything, man. It's like motivational speech that's in your face. It's about how you can build climate and culture, not only in your classroom, but how your classroom affects the school. And it's also a little bit about like, man, how, do you, how are you going to take your relationships with kids to the next level, your lesson plans to the next level? It's a little bit of everything kind of thrown into one. But man, I appreciate what you're saying. And, and you're right, man. Right now, right now in the world of education, a book like Next Level Teaching, you know, we have people that are like, they're wondering about their purpose, they're quitting teaching, they're resigning, like, you know, and the, the thing about it is, as a father of two little kids, like now's not the time to be, not, not that I don't, I understand why people are doing these things, because it is frustrating, it is hard, man. I, my wife and I are both teachers, we've had our moments where we're almost in tears, but at the end of the day, you know, the kids are my purpose, the kids are our purpose, and uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, man, like if it were my kid, I would want, you know, someone who's dedicating their time, their life to making their education not only amazing for them for five minutes, but like for the entire school year, just getting them amped up and ready to go. So it's, uh, that's what it's all about. And that's honestly the sort of the vibe I got reading it. And I have to say, like growing up with educators as parents, you know, it was surprising to me where my mom was a principal and my dad was a teacher. And I always felt like culture, when you think of the idea of culture, you think of like, oh, staff mission, like what's our, what's our game plan? What is like our core values and all that stuff. But this book really helped me, especially as a newer teacher, I'm a second year teacher. And this book really helped me understand the capacity and role that I have as even as a young educator, just how much impact you can have on not just your classroom culture, but a building culture. Um, exactly, dude. I always, I always say like this. I actually say it in the book, but man, like my feelings of it are like this, dude. 
everybody can make their own, you know, their own version of what the, their impact's going to be on this, the school climate. But, you know, number one, it's almost like a tidal wave of amazing change flowing from your classroom throughout the, the hallways of the school, man. And like, it's what you do in your classroom. You get kids excited about learning. They're running into your classroom and probably getting in trouble because they're run to your class, but they're excited. And you know what, man, for the first time in their life, maybe they're excited about learning. And then when they leave your classroom, man, they're going in the hallways and rather than going crazy and hitting some kid there just had a great experience man and now they're in the hallway and they're having a good experience and a good conversation with some kid or having good interactions with their teachers and then they go into their math class and now all of a sudden they're working hard in math because they just had fun in your class or whatever you know and then when they go home talk about culture changing like you're not going to have a parent come into the school flipping out about x y and z when that kid goes home and says man you know miss thomas's class or mr alshimer's class or mr nunziata's class was amazing today man this is what we did in school and all of a sudden the parent's going to come to the next sped meeting or the next whatever meeting or the next back to school night and they're going to be like oh you're that teacher oh man i know who you are like that's happened so many times but that right there like that's that's there's so many parts of culture in a school building there's so many parts of it and if you can influence different avenues and different outlets of it man like that's and imagine every teacher doing this you know what i mean all of a sudden the kids are leaving every classroom instead of just one or two and man it goes from kids walking into school man like i don't want to do this I, I, I hate school how many times have we heard that to man i cannot wait to get to this class this class is for lack of a better word lit man i love this yeah. class this teacher is something different about it man and that's what it's all about and you get them to show up for you. Like everything yes. else can be crappy in their day, but when they show up to your class, they're pumped and they're hyped. Yeah, man. Exactly, dude. They can come from, dude, kids come from every walk of life, man. Some have all the support in the world. Some have no support in the world. Some have all the support in the world and they still don't want to hear it from their parents. But when they walk into your classroom, all of a sudden now they're, they're doing what they need to do and they're, and they're grabbing hold of their educational future because they just are having fun. They're just having fun. It's not, a, it's not like, oh, I got to go learn. Now it's like, oh, I'm having fun. I forgot I was even learning, man. Right, exactly. And like, if you can get a kid to go home and talk about you in a good way, and, you know, sometimes we think, oh my gosh, they got to learn this content. They got to be achieving this level of success. And then they get so frustrated when we don't, when they don't do that. But man, if you can get them to do that with their parents to talk about you in such a fun and exciting way, like, like you said, the learning becomes automatic and they'll, they'll forget that it's even happening. Exactly. And even the conversation, exactly. And the conversations that their parents are then going to have with the teachers that that student has the next year and the next year, you're not only impacting this year, you're impacting like every year. Yeah. And, and I know we've got so much to talk about, but, and you, you make me just think of the parents too. Like imagine how many, how many times like parents have heard their kid, Oh, what are they in trouble for now? What do they do now? And the, the, the one phone call they get or the one time that their kid talks about school, it's about how much they enjoyed your class. Like what? That's a shock, oh, right? That's yeah, such a mind shock blowing. Yeah. Right, right. That's what it's all about, man. That's what you want to hear as a parent. You want to hear your kid having a good time at school and learning something. There that's, it is right there. That's nuts. And I know we're going to get into it, but, but before we do, I, so when I heard about you and how you did UFC, like I got to know a little bit more about that. Um, <laughs> so obviously you're teaching now, but you were a UFC fighter. You were connected there. Um, tell us a little bit about your path to becoming a teacher. Yeah. So, well, here's, here's kind of the real truth behind it all, man. 
Um, so, so like the UFC, so to, to make it fair for everybody who's watch, listening right now, in case there's an actual UFC fighter out there listening <laughs> right now, UFC is like the NBA and like, I was like way down from that. So what I did, the uh, mixed martial arts is what UFC is like, so mixed martial arts. And so what happened was I'm, for, I'm a teacher that like in my whole life, man, it's, it's like, if it, while I talk about doing something tomorrow, let's do it today. You know, I, I preach that to my kids, man. Like, if you got a dream or you got a goal or you got something you want to do, stop putting it off for tomorrow or stop saying, I'll do it. And then you never do it. Like, time is now, man. Time is now. So I was, uh, I think at the time, 33 years old. You know, I love mixed martial arts. I watch UFC on TV, you know, and, I, and so I started training. And, of course, I was nice. I was lucky enough to talk my amazing wife into letting me do a cage fight. And so... Um, I got involved with a promotion and they said, let's do a cage fight. And um, a couple of my opponents bowed out uh, for various reasons, injuries and stuff. And then uh, I was like, you know what, man, I was talking to my kids at school. Like they didn't know what was going on, but I was having a conversation with them. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to shoot my shot. So I contacted the promoter and I was like, listen, let's not just do some low level fight on this card. Let's like, let's make it the biggest thing possible. If you can't get me somebody that, you know, give me the, give me the champion. I don't care. I've never fought before. So give me the champ. I want the champ. Let's make it a main event. Let's make it, you know, whatever. And so next thing I know, in, in addition to that, like I wasn't happy with just walking out with, you know, a pair of Nike basketball shorts on. Like I ended up reaching out to all these different sponsorship clothing brands that only sponsor champions, UFC professional champions who make millions of dollars. And I was like, listen, like I'm a teacher, whatever, but this is what I got going on. And next thing I know, I had multiple brands sending me free gear that sponsored me to like, as long as you wear it and promote it, like, let's go. And so next thing you know, you had a 30 something year old teacher from, you know, a middle school teacher teaching history who's walking into a cage fight and a guy who's had 16 fights, 17 fights for two time champion who's also got sponsored gear all over him. Like this just doesn't happen. This just sounds like something like some movie that somebody just made up. And uh, so, yeah, that's how we got into it. And, and, and because of my love for mixed martial arts, that's where I got connected with the UFC, the actual UFC um, because I reached out and brought a UFC fighter into our school to speak to our students. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so he came to our school. I have, I have a good relationship with his agent and um, this guy, you know, is just an amazing person, Paul Felder. And, and, in our, school's documentary relentless chasing accreditation you see you know this this fighter coming into the school to talk to kids and you know people are like wait you're bringing in a fighter to talk to kids about fighting and i was like no check this out and then all of a sudden we had this fog lights and we did a hype video and we had this arena set up like if you watch the video you're gonna be like whoa these guys do it right and we had a we had a fighter come in hit some pads catch everybody's eye and then he talked to the kids um about their life grit determination what are you going to be when you grow up what are you going to do the time is now like let's make this happen and we had a fighter that came in to reach kids that could only be reached by a fighter you know and i yeah. often say kids aren't built on an assembly line they're not all the same they can't hear the same lines and they can't talk to the same people they need to see people that are going to reach them in a way that you know maybe nobody else has thought of take it to the next level like what are you doing for your your your, your school what are you doing for your students so you know that that whole cliche of me you know taking it to the next level i do it in my life too so <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i've seen that video a ton of times because it's so it just hypes me up watching it um because it's exactly what you said um people would have that natural reaction of being like oh you brought a ufc fighter and what the heck like are yeah. you sure that's not teaching kids how to fight and it's like no man like 
this is who they need to hear from. This person yeah. has had real life experiences. And the amazing thing about it, dude, is like when he, when he walked out, if you go back and you watch that video really carefully, he turns around and says something to his agent. And I was right behind the both of them. And he came and he was basically like, what is this? Like he didn't even know what he was walking into. So we even made an impact on him. And, you know, we had kids that were normally in the back sleeping that wanted to take a picture with him after and ask him stuff. And you know, the funny thing about it is Paul Felder, you know, he, he was a theater major. Like that's what he wanted to do. He no wanted way. to be, yes, he wanted to be in theater though. You see this like tough dude who's like tough as nails, his face is all busted up from years <laughs> of fighting. And all of a sudden you find out like he loved, he loved school and he wanted to be a theater kid. You know, he wants to be in movies someday. He was in drama, you know, he was on, he was, you know, doing all that stuff in, in school and I'm sure people kind of made fun of him for it. But like, that was his passion. And so, you know, kids that have that same passion that might be afraid to whatever it is, play the violin, be involved in theater, go do this, go do that. They see this guy doing it and they're like, you know, maybe I'm going to try it out. Yeah. And it's not just some passive statement that you're making. It's a legit, Hey, if you want to do this, like I'm actually going to help you get there, exactly. whatever that passion is. Um, exactly. And that's amazing. And, and, you know, as you're talking about that, that's something that you had to sort of choose to do. And that might have been a, a bar bit of a barrier to sort of overcome and break through. Um, but ultimately, you made the choice to bring in this UFC fighter professional, um, which obviously was a huge success. But again, that's you had to ha have that capacity to do something different. Um, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, dude, whatever, whatever, whether it's your life, whether it's your work, whether it's your whatever it is, man, like if, if everything was easy, we'd all be doing amazing different stuff. That's crazy. Right. So everything was, you know, when I, when I walked into the cage, I remember when I fought, I was scared to death. You know what I mean? And when, when I was contacting Paul Felder, I remember when he walked into our school, I was like, we got to do this. Like, I got to talk to this. This guy fights in front of millions of people. He's a TV analyst. Like he's a celebrity in a lot of ways. He makes tons of money. Like, oh, I'm just a middle school teacher. I got to talk to this guy and I got to interview him in front of, you know, a thousand kids. Like we're really doing this. All right, let's go. And it ended up being one of the most amazing days in our school's history. It's amazing. And again, it comes back to you making the conscious choice to be like, you know what? I don't care what's been done traditionally in the past. I'm choosing to be different and I'm choosing be to do this because I know it's going to have an impact on kids. Um, and something that you also choose to do a lot in your classroom. And I love this idea um, is this thing called Alzheimer nation. Um, so, so for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what that is and how that has been super successful for your kids. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's something that I've been, I've been doing for a lot of years now. And it's basically like to, to make it easy to understand. It's a lot like the house system in Harry Potter before house systems got popular in schools. You know, we didn't have a house system in our school. And I thought this, I was like, you know what? Like kids want to be involved in an experience. So let's create that experience for them. I can create it with lesson plans. I can create it with fun games. I can do this. I can do that. Well, I was like, well, how do I step it up? How do I take it to the next level literally? And how, how can I create something that's sustainable that I can use again and again and again to get kids to have fun during a competition in a game that has nothing to do with academics. And then how can I pull, how can I pull whatever this is into getting kids to want to study or do homework? So I, one day, and I've done it a million different ways, but in the book, Next Level Teaching, I outline it how we had a canned food drive. Now I've done this with all kinds of stuff. I've done it with raising money for cancer research. I've done it for, I've done it with other things, right? But it was uh, me walking in basically like William Wallace from Braveheart, standing on top of like my desk and table stuff and saying, all right, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna create like a family here. We're gonna create a unit. We're gonna create like a kingdom and and we're gonna call it Alzheimer Nation and what you're either in or you're out. And if and of course, like I'm not gonna transfer kids to another class, but I was like, if you don't wanna be a part of this, like I'll transfer you down the hallway and you can be with another teacher. Right. This is like, we're all together on this. And like, I'm gonna have teachers that are gonna try and 
you know, collect more cans than you. And we're going to, we're going to put a target on our back and all this stuff. And all I was doing was creating an experience that was fun. Like they all of a sudden were like, wait, we're not just, we're not just bringing in canned foods to bring in canned foods. Now we're turning it into a competition. Mr. Alzheimer's grabbing the mic in the morning and he's talking some trash to the other classes, trying to get people amped up about a canned food drive that nobody at the time truly cared about. And it's a good cause. Like, let's get some, let's, let's raise these canned foods and donate and donate food or whatever to people that need it. Right. So we're, we're doing a good cause, but we're, we're creating an experience at school. And that's what I wanted to do, create an experience in my classroom. And then from there, kids were bought into it. Like we had kids that were, that were like hiding canned foods in the ceiling, hiding canned foods in different spots of the classroom because they didn't want other people to find out what we were doing. And it was just amazing. I had, I was telling teachers to send kids down to try and spy on us just to like create this, like, crazy atmosphere and I told my kids I'm like why are these kids coming into our room and they're like Mr. A, they're trying to find our stuff and so they're excited man and that's what it's about getting kids to be excited for your class and if you can get a kid to be excited for learning great if you can't get them to be excited about something and if it's your and if it's your own brand however you want to call it your your classroom family then do that too and then you can tie it in so once I had them locked in and they're like Mr. Alzheimer, Alzheimer Nation. We even had like hand signs and gestures and stuff. And they, they felt like they were a part of something special. Kids, the kids, teachers, adults, everybody wants to feel like they're a part of something special. So you know what I did? I created that for them. And then from there, I used it as a tool to get them to study. Oh, Alzheimer Nation. We don't, we don't, we don't sit back and take last place. We might not win, but we are going to give our absolute best effort. And if you're not into this, then, then, like I said, you're out. And all of a sudden kids are like, wait, you better study. You better study. And kids are like calling each other at night, studying for a test. And you know, if you know anything about me, I don't care about test scores. I care about effort. And that's what I wanted to see. And Alzheimer's nation helped create that. And we were, you know, let's do more homework than that class or let's beat these guys at whatever. And it was just an opportunity. You can use it a million different ways, but an opportunity where I created something in my classroom that was unique that nobody had really thought of before. And teachers in my school were seeing how, useful it was and how much kids talked about it and kids wanted me to create t-shirts for this like they were all in man and so the next thing you know I'm looking down the hallway and all of a sudden there's Grup Empire down the hallway and then there's another group down that hallway and and they're just like I see what he's doing that's pretty cool let's see if we can recreate that and it worked man it really worked and it's sustainable for a whole school year that's what kids need too it's just a home and yes. so, so often we we assume that they're oh we all care about you like you should know that and that it's the words you should know that yeah. like gets kids and gets teachers too. And I was going to ask how uh, infectious was that with your teachers, but it oh, seems like, Oh dude, it man, it was, up. it was awesome, man. Like when we did the canned food thing, man, the whole sixth grade band against my class, every bunch of other teachers were going against us. And at the end of the day, it was all laughs and fun, but like it created an atmosphere in our school over a canned food drive. That was just amazing. It was infectious for lack of a better terminology. And my kids were loving it. Like it was a way to build relationships with my kids in a way that I, you know, I've never seen before in my own teaching experience. And again, like you're creating something for them why do you why why do kids go to the movies why do they go to the mall to do whatever it's because they want a sense of being like a sense of entertainment so we created that as well it's entertaining like this is actually fun kids don't want to do things if it's not fun if you can make something fun they're into it if you can make your classroom fun over a canned food drive you certainly can make it fun over something else you know you can make it fun about you can make it fun over learning or tests or homework or projects or or let's you know let's have a let's have a dance party for a minute like i don't care let's you know let's have some fun for a second like like that's what school should be about learning is key but there's a lot of things that can happen around learning to make kids to actually want to learn you know some naturally want to learn some don't 
So how do you get the kids who don't want to learn to be all of a sudden motivated? Part of it's relationships, part of it's the environment you create. And so often in schools, so often in schools, whether it's the school itself or teachers, they're looking for this magic, you know, pill that's going to fix everything or this magic tech tool that's going to fix everything. Those things are all great and we need them. But you know, it will never, ever, ever become outdated. It's the environment you create. So if you want to fix your school, fix the environment within the school, get kids to want to be there, get teachers to want to be there. All of a sudden now you have the foundation for a successful school and it's going to change. And you know what, if you're a teacher and you're struggling in your classroom, figure out ways and think of ways. And sometimes it's outside the box. How do you change the environment within your classroom? If you get kids to want to come in here, you know, then they're going to learn. If kids want to be in class, they're going to learn. They're going to learn at all kinds of different speeds because everybody's different, but they are going to learn. I have a question now. Um, was there a time in your teaching career where you felt like, man, this is not it. Like this environment that I like, was there a moment of realization where you're like, Hey, I need to change something because this isn't working for my kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll say this. I think there's a time in every teacher's career (laughs) every single year where they're just like teaching in general is not like I'm going to go work at the Walmart down the street. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm tired. I'm stressed. I got a data meeting in about five minutes. Like I got to do a thousand tests grades tonight like so but in terms of like my classroom it was just a continuous evolution I guess mm-hmm. you know the very first year I was overwhelmed like probably everybody is and every year I try to get a little bit better and I naturally just like in my life man like I'm gonna look at something and where some people see obligation my biggest thing in 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 your life in business and relationships and in education stop looking at everything like it's an obligation start looking at it like it's an opportunity. And that's such a cliche thing to say, but it is so true, man, especially right now, like in virtual learning, man, or hybrid learning or wherever you're at, or kids are social distancing, man. Everybody's looking at this like an obligation. Like, you know, I don't, I'm used to having kids in class high-fiving me. I'm used to teaching this way. I'm used to teaching this way. Now all of a sudden I got kids socially distancing in my classroom. I can't even see their faces. You know what I mean? Or kids are coming on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I don't see them the rest of the week or shoot, I got to teach my class through a screen like how I do. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's going to rebuild your toolbox as a teacher and you're going to be that much better next year and the year after that and the year after that. So we can sit here and cry and pout all we want to, or we can ante up and try to figure out a way to make our classrooms better. We talk to our kids all the time about, oh, you got to figure it out. You got to think for yourself. I'm not going to hand you the answer. Well, it's, it's easy for me to say that here because I had my moments during virtual learning where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is awful. Like, I just, I, I don't know if I want to do this. Anymore. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like every teacher did that. If you care about your job, you probably were stressed to the point where you were like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Whether you were really going to quit or not is up to, you know, that's a whole different <laughs> story. But, but you were like, I don't know if I'm a good teacher anymore. I'm not used to this kind of teaching. Well, guess what? But now it's time. You've had your moment where you can sit there and out for a second. Now it's time to figure out a solution. And so that was me my whole career from the first year. Like I was overwhelmed my first year. And then my second year, I got a little bit better. And my third year, I was like, how can I make my first and second year a little bit cooler? And then it was like, oh, I did this lesson and it was all right. How can I make it pretty amazing where kids actually are smiling and want to do this? And all of a sudden, like these things just kind of came because that's how I look at my life. That's how I look at my work. That's so important. And I want to highlight that again, because I feel like so many teachers get burnt out, but they, they think that it's all these external reasons. They think it's like, oh, it's the system, it's the kids, it's whatever. But 99% of the battle is up in your own head. Like if you have such a, a bad mentality towards 
you know, like the obligation instead of opportunity type of mindset, that's going to kill you. You know what Absolutely, I mean? Absolutely, dude. A hundred percent, man. And I'll say this too, like going, kind of going off of that, like as a teacher, you know, I'll, don't get me wrong, man. I get stressed about stuff too, man. Cause uh, if you talk for five minutes, you know, everything about our day is stressful, but I'm going to pick and choose what I'm going to be ultra stressed about because certain things are going to figure themselves out. At the end of the day, you know what the most important thing is? The kids that are in your classroom. You know, all that other stuff, grading that essay there, or that data meeting, of course, these all these all have to happen. But you know what the most important thing is? Those 25 or 30 or 35 kids that are sitting in front of you and how you impact them and the relationship that you build with them. Everything else can wait. Everything else will happen. Everything else will unfold. How are you going to impact them right now today in a way that I have two little girls? You know, I always say this, teach like it's your kid in the front row. I always say front row, back row, side row, out in the football field. Because some people are like, why well, sat in the back? I don't care where you sat, all right? Teach like it's your kid somewhere in the freaking building, right? And if you think like that, you're going to think differently about your impact on kids. You're going to think differently about your overall impact in the world of education. And you're going to start thinking differently about your job and how you plan for it and how you respond to kids and how you, and how you build your lessons. Because you're like, man, if my daughter, my daughter was in my classroom, what would I do for her? I would go to the ends of the earth for that little kid. So why am I not doing that for the 30 kids that are sitting in front of me or virtually through my classroom? You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. It, if you signed up because you thought teacher was easy, newsflash, it ain't. So you might as well get out now. But I'll say, I'll say this, like, you know, push the stress aside. And there's days where I'm successful and there's days where I fail miserably. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give my doggone best and whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. That's incredible. Um, going back a little bit to... Um, Alzheimer Nation, you have a chapter of your book called Think Outside the School Box. Um, and you try to encourage teachers to use any and all um, unconventional methods to engage or excite your students. Um, and I'm trying this my second year. So like my first year, similar to you, probably, I was just trying to figure out what I'm going to teach the next day. Um, and I bless their hearts to all the first year teachers out there right now, because it's a it's a lot. Um, but you know, obviously you build that confidence, you build that, um, sort of security within your own room and who you are as a teacher, but yet there are still so many teachers who are afraid to step out of their own comfort zone. Um, why do you think that is? And how can teachers overcome it? Is it like external? Is it internal? Um, are there things that they can do and practice to overcome that fear of like stepping out of their comfort zone? Man, that is a great question. And you know what? I see it in every avenue of everybody's life, man. Think about, think about not just teaching, think about life in general. People are just naturally, people just, na and it's me too, man. It's me too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not sitting here going like, I'm different. Like, I'll just try everything. Like, no, man, whether it's teaching or my personal life, man, things make you nervous. And it's just the natural body. It's your body trying to save you. It's back like when we were like cavemen and cave women, dude. Like if it was stressful, you ran that way because you don't want to get eaten by that animal, right? Yeah. <laughs> so similarly, you know, whether it's like, whether it's something in your personal life and it's stressful or nervous, you're like, I don't want to do this, you know, or if it's in your professional life, like education, whether it's a new tech thing or whether it's a new lesson idea or thinking outside the box, man, like, if it makes you uncomfortable, naturally, you don't want to do it. And the only way to overcome that is to be, is to be honest with yourself and you go, you know what, man, like this makes me uncomfortable, but here's my thing. If it's good for kids, then it's good for education. If it's good for kids, then, it, and then it's good for you to try it. You know what I mean? Don't sit there and go, man, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to do it the same way I always did it because you can do that, but I'll just be honest with you. You're not going to be a successful teacher because you're going to have kids who tune you out because there's nothing special happening. 
I mean, it's just that honest. Like if you hand me a worksheet and make me read out a textbook, like I'm ready to go to my next class already. And I'm probably not going to learn from you, you know? And I would rather as a kid, when I was a kid, I would rather see a teacher try something neat and fail miserably than not try at all. And you know what? And that's the thing. The other thing is the fear of failure. And I think that's with every part of everyone's life. Should I take this job? Should I move to that place? Should I do this? Should I do that? Man, do it. Do it. Because you know what? Nothing's going to change for the better if you don't If you don't just jump off and try it. And you know what? From someone who's failed a million times, you, at, you look at anybody's success story on the planet, whether they're educators or not, they'll tell you they failed left and right. Nobody that's successful at anything just was good at it because they sat and did the same thing they always did. People that are successful, whether it's teaching, whether it's speaking, whether it's writing, whether it's podcasting, whether it's business related, like you're going to fail. So you know what? You just got to overcome that to the best of your own ability. Acknowledge that you have that fear and think, you know what, man, like I got to do this. Like this is for these kids. And, and I got into this job. If you're in education, you got into this job to make an impact that's bigger than you. And if you, if you got into this to make an impact that's bigger than you, who cares if you fail tomorrow at that neat lesson plan? Like I'm doing a lesson plan right now in my class, virtual learning, where we're trying to teach the Civil War. And like, how do you do that virtually? Well, let's try this. I'm going to create a movie where I'm a secret agent who's like kind of works with the CIA. And all of a sudden in the movie, I use my phone. I'm not a great tech person. I'm a great idea guy. But <laughs> I was like, I'm going to use my iMovie on my phone. And all of a sudden, I, I like come down out of the screen. My seven-year-old shot the video. And uh, I'm, I'm talking to the kids. And I'm wearing this like cool outfit. Like I, you know, I put together some dress clothes and some casual clothes. And I look like a secret agent. I got sunglasses on. I'm like, I'm secret agent silver. I'm sending you. We, we have developed a time machine. And I'm sending you back in time because there's this there's a secret evil organization called Vigilance and they've hacked our time machine. I was just making the stuff up as I was going. And I'm like, they're going back in time and they're trying to change the outcome of the Civil War. And if they do that, they're going to change the outcome of American history. And they're going to try and use that to take over the country and take over the world. We have to stop. And all of a sudden, by the time I got done with the video and I played it for my kids, they're like excited. This is like three days ago. They're super pumped. And so now we're building this storyline around content. It's like they're involved in a movie, but they're learning about the civil war. And the very first assignment was you have to stop vigilance from changing the election of 1860 where Abraham Lincoln won the election. And so you have to do X, Y, and Z. And all they're doing is they're like analyzing documents, looking at maps and reading text and analyzing things. But they think they're doing it because they're a secret agent. And so now they're like, let's go, you know? And so that's, to me, that's, what education is, man, that, that's a way outside the box idea, but you could be way more simple than that. If you're, you know, if you're smarter than me, you could probably think of a million things that were better than that, but it was a pretty cool idea and I ran with it. But likewise, if you look at something that you're doing, think, man, how can I make this just a little bit better? You know, there's, there's a couple ideas that we're going to do with this where I was telling my team, my team was coming up with these awesome ideas and we we're collaborating. And that's the other thing when you talk about next level teaching, building school culture, it's like, you are doing something cool and now people want to jump in on that. So that's basically what happened. I said, this is my idea. It might be awful. <laughs> and they're like, let's go. And now all of a sudden they're creating all this cool stuff. And I'm like, sweet. Now I don't have to do as much work. And uh, yeah. And they're coming up with stuff that's even better than my stuff. It's awesome. But like at one point we were like, this is so neat. And literally all they're doing is basically reading and answering questions, but it's, it, but it looks so much cooler than that. And they're creating these videos on Flipgrid where they're, you know, secret agents telling us these secret codes and it's just wild, but it's completely outside the box. 
and I was scared to death to try it. And I even told my team when I when I talked to them, I, I called my principal, Hamish Brewer. Everybody knows who that is. Oh, yeah. And I said, hey, man, here's my idea. Sink or swim, we're going to give it a whirl. Is it okay? Let's try this. And he's like, let's go. Sounds great. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, yeah. love, I love that example because it's just a narrative shift. You're just taking what you probably had structurally done in the past, and now you're just adding a twist. And so yes. obviously, like, the video stuff is a little different. That might be challenging for some people, but – you know, when we, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, like, oh, that person's built different. They just do things differently. And it's like, no, you, that can be you too. All yes. it takes is just step outside your comfort zone, try one little thing differently and it impacts so much. That's all it I takes. I promise you this. I promise you this, man. You said it perfectly because if everybody at my school that would be listening to this podcast is going to say this, he, Mr. Alzheimer is not a tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the get in front of the class and like lock them in kind of guy. I'm the guy at the assembly when the, when you want to get a thousand kids hype you just hand me a mic and i'll just wing it and it'll work <laughs> you know i'm not the like here's a computer figure out like 15 apps that work really good that's not me that's not me that's my team they're amazing at that that's not me so to me this whole thing was scary but like i said man we're gonna we're gonna go for it we're gonna try new things we're gonna step out of our comfort zone even me man like i'm not good at there's lots of stuff I'm teaching I'm not good at, but I'm willing to try. And I think that's the one thing about me that's great is that I'm going to give my 150% all the time. And, uh, and if it's, and if it's something that's difficult for me, I'm going to try and do my best to find a way to make it happen. That's amazing. And I, it's so funny you mentioned that because I did a similar type of lesson, not time travel. So that's not as cool. Um, <laughs> seriously, we, we do a claim evidence reasoning um, sort of investigation to start the school year. It's a murder mystery is what it is. That's cool. What a lot of reading, analyzing, claim evidence reasoning. Well, my teacher friend and I both teach the same lesson. So we're like, hey, let's just record our, ourselves as FBI agents. And like, so we were acting like each other's higher ups and telling all our kids, hey, this evidence that you collect is going to go to the higher up over at this other CIA location, essentially, or FBI location is what it was. Um, they're like, oh my, and, and that's all it took. Otherwise, it yeah. could have just been any plain old claim evidence reasoning. Oh, we got it right. But because they had that um, lens of it, they were engaged. They were hyped up for it. And, and that's taken that that's taken a very simple idea and taking it to the next level. 100%. And sometimes, and sometimes it's just simply putting your, sometimes it's simply like creating a storyline like you did or like I did. And sometimes it's, you know, taking that same scenario and building a game with it. And that's going to yeah. take it to the next level. Sometimes it's doing something else. That's going to take it to the next level, man. And like, you know, one thing that we did uh, last year that was, man, I had my kids fired up was we were learning about the industrialists of, uh, you know, the built America, the men who built America, you know, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and the kids had to learn like these, like the most dry stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, like how these guys built their empires. And I'm like, you know what? Forget that. This is what we're going to do. You're going to create a business right now. Your table, bam, we're going to create a business. You have two days to, cr to create a business plan and you're going to go pitch it to Mr. Brewer. And if you can make money, let's go. And all of a sudden kids are like, wait, make money. Okay, let's do this. And by the time they took the test, man, I'll tell you what, not a single group failed that test because they nailed it. Cause they remembered their business, man. It was, it was crazy learning by creating something. And all they're doing is learning about history. But then, you know, after they got done creating their business, I was like, now, look at these guys. Did you guys do this, this, and this? And they're like, oh man, we did. This is crazy. And I was like, dude, and they're like, we're learning. And I'm like, yes, you were learning. <laughs> That's amazing. And, yeah. and so the, the big takeaway, and this is why I love following all of your stuff on Instagram is that like, it doesn't take a, a complete reshift of everything that you do. Take what you have 
and just add a little twist, add a little flavor. Um, yeah, man. To anybody listening, like the big, the biggest problem is, and, and when you're when you're talking about the world of education, man, the biggest problem is like people are trying to think like, oh, he's talking about I got to do X, I got to do all these crazy things. I got to build rocket ships and like you know, no, you don't. You got to take the most simple. T- talk about next level teaching. The thing I love about my my whole book is that it's literally about whether it's building relationships, student engagement, whatever it is in your classroom. Take the most simple and boring idea you have and just sprinkle a little bit of something special into that, and you can take. And it doesn't take a lot of work. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time on Pinterest. I don't, I don't, I don't never go to Pinterest. I don't never go to teachers pay teachers as much as, you know, not to, I've been there, but I'm certainly not, I don't spend time on it, man. Like not against that or anything, but I'm just looking at what I do and think, all right, how can I make this a little bit cooler? I, I wrote in the book about bingo. All of a sudden we're playing bingo from a worksheet. Now we're creating human bingo and kids are the bingo pieces in my classroom or, or, you know, um, doing, re- you know, doing real simulations of history, you know, whatever those are. We did that. We lived out the 1920s in my classroom where kids dressed up, danced to the music. And we created like a speakeasy in my classroom, like legit. And all of a sudden the kids are, again, they're dancing around my room, goofing around, dressed up like they're in the 1920s and they're living history. Or, or we created a stock market simulation where they lived history. And, and whether it's math or whether it's science or whatever it is, just take something small and the most boring thing and concept and think, how can I just spice it up a little bit? That's it. That's it. That's so awesome. And, and so it requires a teacher to have some introspection, some self-reflection on their teaching, their practice. Um, it connects to a chapter in your book called Looking in the Mirror. Um, and it talks about how teachers follow, you know, we have to follow through on the relationships with each other, just as we ask our students to do. Um, what moments have you experienced taking a hard look at yourself um, or how have you connected with other educators and seen them have that sort of look in the mirror moment where it's like, Hey, I've got to change what I'm doing or like, or else it's not going to work. Like how do you, have you seen other educators or yourself take that leap to become a next level educator? 100% I have, I can tell you that right now. I just had a conversation with a good friend of mine who I work with and we were talking about this same thing. And I was literally like, I told him, I was like, listen, man, at the end of the day, I literally said at the end of the day, you can look yourself in the mirror and then you can put your head on your pillow and know you did your absolute best for kids. Whether that's lesson planning, building relationships, doing something within the school. If that's what, if that's what you did, then you can be comfortable with that. You know what I mean? But if you take an honest, that whole like look in the mirror thing, I mean, that's really, I'm sure that's been said a lot. That was really kind of made famous when Hamish Brewer said it in my school you know, look at yourself in the mirror because at the end of the day, it's you versus you. You're going to be honest with yourself. You can sit here and tell, you know, the people across the hall that you did the best that you can, that the best that you could do, but did you really, you know, did you really? And that's where that whole cliche line is like, you have to, you have to look deep within yourself. Did you really do the best you could do today? Did you really take every opportunity to make an impact on the life of a kid? Did you, did you, did you try to, did you, and don't get me wrong, man, people are tired. People are exhausted. Like that's the world of this, this game we live in. Right. And whether it's virtual or whether, whether we're back in the school building. Right. But did you take every moment possible to to build kids up to empower your students? And you know what I mean? And that's, and that's lived out through your reactions to them, your actions within the hallway in the classroom, man, you can't, you can't talk to kids about, striving for goals and dreams and you're not doing that in your own life you can't tell kids to stop bullying but then you're talking about the teacher across the hall you know what i mean you can't you can't be doing those things and only you know the truth only you know the truth man you can't you can't tell kids to do the best they can on your homework or classwork or projects or studying for a test if you're not going to do that in your lesson planning like let's be real and kids see, see through bs better than adults do and kids oh, yeah. are going to see that in a second right kids are going to see that in a second man so you just have to live what you preach 
And if you do that, man, if you do that, let's be honest, like you might not be the best educator in the world. I like this. It's about progress, not perfection. I say that to my classes all the time, man. It's about progress, not perfection. It's not about being a perfect teacher. It's not about being the perfect mentor to a kid. It's not about not making mistakes. If you're doing, if you're really trying the best of your ability to be amazing in a lot of different avenues of teaching, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. But again, looking yourself in the mirror, putting your head down on your pillow and saying, you know what? I did it all for my kids. And I might've messed up here, here, and here. And I should have done this, this, and this, but I got, I'm going to give it another go tomorrow, man. And as it, as it relates to the world of education right now, man, whether, whether you're hybrid model, you're virtual teaching, man, like, you know, the, I like to say this all the time, man, the game's not over. We're just getting warmed up. It's time to go. Oh yeah. What's the next level for you in your, in your teaching career, in your mind? What's, what's the next level for you? Yeah, dude. Um, well, you know, I, I have my second master's degree in educational leadership. And, and so I have a, I'm a, for those that don't know a lot about me, um, I'm a middle school teacher, teach seventh grade American history. Um, I'm an author of Next Level Teaching, of course, which at one time was an Amazon number one new release uh, for Dave Burgess Consulting. I'm a keynote speaker. I was almost an international keynote speaker. I had a week-long tour in Australia that got canceled because of COVID. So oh, that was a bummer. No. Yeah, I was going to take yeah. my wife to Sydney, and we were going to be there for a week speaking all over Australia. Oh, it was my be great. God, it would have been amazing. Oh, man, it was a bummer. So, um, and, and all this kind of happened really recently and really quickly in my life. And um, so people have often asked, like, when are you going to be an assistant principal or principal of this or that? And, and I don't know. I think right now um, the next level for me is just how can I make a greater impact uh, for teachers, man. So often like speakers or people that do all these different things, like their principals or superintendents or former principals, man, you don't see a lot of teachers going out there and saying, Hey man, this is what I do in my classroom. I think that's what makes me unique is that, um, not only I'm not some consultant, I'm not some like, you know, I'm not this or I'm not that I'm just an average Joe with his hat on backwards right now who, who, you know, is willing to go the next, you know, hundred miles for his kids. And I relate to teachers because I get tired like you, I get exhausted like you, but I have a never ending drive. I'm like a shot of, I'm like an energy drink, you know, 50 energy drinks rolled up into <laughs> one, man. I'm going to keep going. And, uh, and, and, and to me, it's about, you know, continuing to make an impact on the families in my community. That's number one. And number two, continuing the speaking thing. I'm going to write another book pretty soon. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with it. Yes, I'm not going to make that announcement, but I'm going to write another book here in the next year and uh, share my knowledge on certain things and, and, and continue speaking to people that need a, need their cup like filled up, man. There's so many times like people's like, you know, their impact, they feel like their impact's not being felt in their school. They're, they're not good enough this or good enough that as it relates to being a teacher. And uh, they need that fire relit. They got to re-remember what when they walked in the classroom on the very first day and why they decided to be a teacher. So to me, that's my next level, man. Just continuing that wave of energy throughout every school that's willing to call me up and say, let's go. I love that so much. I have a little after school cup of coffee and like that has not helped. You have helped me get so hyped up for everything I got to do still left tonight. So uh, my man. Um, how can people connect with you? Where, how can they support you? Oh, dude, I'm easy to connect with, man. I'm not, I'll tell you what, at Mr. Allsheimer on Instagram. Uh, I'm new to Instagram, honestly. Like, I've just started Instagram recently, at Mr. Allsheimer, and then at Mr. Allsheimer on Twitter. I'm really, I'm really into Twitter, man. Like, I'm on Twitter all the time. So if you hit me with a DM or tag me in your stuff so I can get to see what you're doing and stuff like that, I love to connect with with educators, you know, I, I had one person one time that was like, they DM me and they're like, wait, you responded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's what we do. So that I love to learn from people, man. I don't know everything. I love to learn. And there's so many people that, that I can learn from even in, in, in the avenue of all the things that I talk about, man. So that's uh, connect with me, 
hit me up, tag me in your stuff. I'd love to learn from everybody. Absolutely. And I will tag all of that um, in the show notes too. So people can find that there. Um, last question, Jonathan, we made it. Um, this has been so awesome. I have one more question. So say there is a complete revision and reimagination of schools across the world. And we decide to build a brand new education system uh, completely from scratch. And they select only a handful of educators across the world to help them shape that new school system. And they choose you. Um, however, they only allow three statements per educator that they've selected. So you're sitting across the table telling these folks um, how to design this brand new school system. Um, what are the three things that you would tell them? Man, that is such a hard question, dude. You're going to limit me to three statements? Like, I can't I stop talking. <laughs> uh, man, I'm going to give you three statements, but I got to explain them at least a little bit. So, number one, I would say this. Whatever it takes, man. If you're hiring teachers, you're hiring school leaders, they got to be people that are willing to walk into school and do whatever it takes to make it the place where kids want to be. Number two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Um, I'm going to say this, it's, uh, to keep it shorter, I'll say progress, not perfection. I love that quote, man. Progress, not perfection, man. Whether it's teachers working in the classroom, whether it's leaders leading the school or whether it's kids in the classroom, man, we got to stop harping about grades, 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 man. Grades are important. I want every single one of my kids to get an A, but I want them to feel like, um, you know, they're, their, their, their work is being acknowledged, man. I want to see you growing. I don't care if you get an A right now. The A right now on my test isn't going to get you that promotion at the end of your, you know, your, you know, 20, 30 years at your job, you know, that, that work and effort that you're, you're unwilling to secede to, to failure. You're going to keep going no matter what, like, that's what I want to see. So progress, not perfection. And then, man, the last one, I'm going to say this, just empowering our students, empowering students, like, like let's 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 create schools and classes across the country where kids feel empowered, where kids feel valued, where kids feel like you're not judging them because of where they came from, what they look like, how they talk, what language they speak or what religion that they believe in, man. We got to stop worrying about that stuff. We got to start empowering our kids to take on their dreams. We got to empower our students to to go after their future. We got to empower our students to understand that it's uh, not where they come from. It's where they want to go. It's where they want to go. And it starts with educators, leaders, and teachers telling our kids that you can do this. Let's go and showing them a path, you know, not just showing them a path saying, listen, like, this is what I had to do to overcome obstacles in my life. Let's see what you can do and, and, and this and that. And so I think those are three main things. I think that if we did those in schools, I think if we did those in schools, man, school would look a whole lot different. So powerful. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Jonathan Alsheimer, Next Level Teaching, Empowering Students, Transforming School Culture. Go get it now. Um, follow him everywhere. I'm just starting my Twitter, and so I basically only see your stuff, and it's, that's, all, that's all I need. That's all I need. Awesome, that's brother. Amazing. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for the time. Thank you for listening to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. Original music by Patrick Cunningham. Links to connect with us and our guests are in the show notes. Remember, always bring your best, and we'll see you next time on Schools of Thought.